0: Yo,
1: oh. yo, yo, oh. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party, we bout to party. Oh. Unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down. Got that big space, pump and make them bounce now. Floss like they bouncing, and the freaks are coming out.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of all elite wrestling. Like I'm in video version, I'm cheersing coffee. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, Alex, what's up? It's never a wrong time. <laughs> it's 7 a.m. on the Pacific Northwest. I'm already on the third cup. So there we go. <laughs> I was just about
1: to ask you, how many cups in are you? That's always the first question we've got to get right off the bat.
0: Oh, man, especially after those East Coast flights, that first like two hours awake, I'm like, oh, I'm a dead person. So I'll, I'll get there eventually. <laughs> I'm already starting to wake up because I'm excited about our guest today.
1: Yeah, how can you not be?
0: Me too. Who's the guest? I know. Geez, um, let me let me introduce this guy. Who is that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> joining us with his super professional setup <laughs> in his living room is uh, Kip Sabian. How are you, buddy?
2: I'm, I'm I'm very good. I like that we said in my living room. Uh, this is actually my parents in law's basement right now.
0: You, they didn't need to know. I like it. It looks pretty sweet. Got to be
2: honest about it. You know, I can't <laughs> lie to you. Now we're here, finally after what has it been three? When did you do the first one of these?
0: It was, like, January 2020, like, right before the pandemic.
2: So, like, three three years ago. Wow. After three years of waiting, I I, I can't lie to you, though. i got to be honest. <laughs>
0: Look, I already took shit from Jericho for taking too long, so I don't want to <laughs> take know, shit from I you, know, man. I know, I know. I, so, so full disclosure, like, we wanted to have you on earlier, but you were sort of in the transition of this character, uh-huh. so it was like, okay, let's, let's just wait until, like, you come back officially and debut and do all these things and then we can we can talk about it i
2: feel like that would have been a very a very weird interview if you'd have caught me mid mid box crowd box days. i feel like that would have been an awkward (laughs) it would have just been me sitting here with a box on my head for god knows how long without responding very muffled
0: yeah just a little would have been like a dan episode like what the hell is happening
2: here (laughs) well it is my pleasure to finally be here
0: Yes, I'm so excited to have you. You're one of the OGs of AEW in the very mm-hmm. first match ever. We got to we got to share that, yep. that honor a little bit. You won the first match ever at AEW. We did.
2: Me and you did, technically. We did. We
0: did. Me, you, and that $20. <laughs>
2: we did. <laughs> no one could take that from us. It's mine and yours forever.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can only be the first in wrestling so many times, right?
1: That's true. This is yeah. true. That's a great point.
2: You guys own that.
0: Yeah. No one can take that from us.
2: Where's my plaque? I'd like my plaque.
0: (laughs) Can we get a little plaque? They make plaques for everything in wrestling. Can we get a plaque? (laughs) Alex probably has a plaque. Look at the background. He definitely has a plaque. No, no plaques here. See, so Alex needs a plaque. So we got to make this happen. Yeah, let's do it. We'll figure it out. Let's get into it. Oh my God. I love the chit chat to start this. But yeah, there's so much to talk about today. So you came in, Kip Sabian, great run, get injured. And now you're doing this box on the head thing (laughs) in the crowd Underrated and over it. Talk about the the idea of coming back, returning with a box on your head, and just this full character change that you went through.
2: That, that's probably the best place to start, I think.
0: Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a big one. It's a really hard one
2: because the original idea that I had has changed so many times depending on the reactions from the fans. So the initial starting point was obviously I got injured, full labral surgery which took longer than it normally would have been because when they got in there, they found that it was torn all the way around. So I was looking at, you know, 12-ish months, maybe 12 to 15 months of rehab. And for me as someone that's wrestled since I was 16, so like I'm 30 now, by that point, it had been like 11 years, 12 years, like a, a really good chunk of my life wrestling nonstop. And I think the longest I'd had away from wrestling was maybe three weeks in all of that time. Wow. Because I did a lot of the holiday camp shows with wrestling. So you're wrestling five, six times a week, plus the indie shows. So it was a lot of wrestling. So having this break and being told, hey, you're not going to wrestle for 12 months is is kind of soul destroying.
0: Especially during the pandemic. Exactly. Where there's not really a lot of wrestling happening anyway.
2: Exactly. So I'm, I'm sitting at home, and it was straight after surgery, maybe the first week after surgery, and I'm sitting on my couch because I can't, Sleep in my bed because I have to sit, sit up with a big old sling on. And I'm watching the show and I'm like, man, I don't want to stay at home for 12 months and do nothing. That's terrible. And here's the thing AEW is so great with the talent. I could have literally sat at home for those 12 months, no issues whatsoever, still getting paid, treat me well, help me out with my uh, rehab and all of this stuff. But me, I couldn't do it, so I started to go crazy. I was watching the show, which I honestly I think watching the show every week. Now I look back, it was a good thing. Back then, I think it was a bad thing for me because I had such a long time till I could wrestle again that I'm watching it and it's making me go more and more down this hole, this dark hole. And it wasn't long before I realized, man, I'm 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 depressed right now. This is this is terrible. I need to do something. I have a very artistic mind which i think comes from the fact that i and again i talk about this all the time on my twitch stream as someone who has a pretty high functioning adhd i'm always having to try and find things to be creative with i'm a big fan of the acting ability of shia labeouf Mm -hmm. now there was a stunt that shia did where it was for the red carpet of i think it was nymphomaniac was the movie and he turned up on the red carpet with a bag on his head that said i'm not famous anymore and he just stood there silently and it was like life art and i remember at the time <laughs> i was like this is this is great i don't understand it but i like it so then i did a more of a deep dive into shire and what he was doing with this like life art stuff and i was like man that's that's pretty cool maybe i'll do that fast forward I'm planning this serial killer-esque character. I'm a big fan of Halloween as well. I like Mike Myers. These shots that they use in Halloween, I think is some of the greatest, in in, in my mind, it's the greatest horror movie of all time. For simplicity reasons only, that all of the, the, the fear that you have is from a background shot of a dude just standing there. They can't see him, but we can see him. I love stuff like that. I was like, man, what if I could do this? And then we get to All Out 2021, I believe. I packed a suit. I'm like, I'm gonna go and buy a bag for my head. And then I'm gonna stand there and I'm gonna do my own meet and greet. So I printed out a bunch of like old pictures of myself that I was crossing the face out of. Mm-hmm. Shane, the driver, good old Shane, who was driving me to the meet and greet. And I'm like, oh, can we find a place to get a, a brown paper bag? He's like, yeah, sure. So we trial these places. Nowhere has a brown paper bag. I'm like, I've literally <laughs> come here now to do this random life art stunt to see if it works. <laughs> and I now don't have anything for my head. Oh, so no. last ditch effort, we go into UPS and I'm like, hi, I need a box that will fit a human head.
1: <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> that went over well.
2: <laughs> and she goes, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, can I, do you have a box that'll fit a human head? She goes, um, maybe this one. So she like weirdly passes me the box and I like put it together. And then I'm like, this will work. That's great. She's like, okay. And I'm, I'm like, hi. So do you have any like tape? And she's like, yeah, sure. So yeah. She passed me oh to like take the top <laughs> Ta- on. And I'm like, oh, do you have a box cutter? <laughs> and she's looking at me now like, what is this guy planning on doing with a box to fit a human head? And now he wants a box cutter? He's like, she's really wondering what's going on. I'm in a suit and tie as well. So like, I'm in this burgundy suit asking for a box <laughs> that'll fit a human head. So they pass me <laughs> the box cutter. I go over to the thing and I cut two really random eye holes. Like, I hope this will work. Boom, I give it. I, I pay for the box. I get back in the car. I've got some Sharpies. And Shane's like, I guess you're going for a box Then I was like, I guess I am. I'm like, man, what can I write on this box? So I'm like, okay, shy I had, I'm not famous anymore. So I was like, oh, I can put, I'm not over anymore. And then I had a self-realization of, you know what? I wasn't really that over anyway. So I don't think writing that, I'm already working out the jokes that can come back at me from this. I'm like, okay, how do I really feel? How do I really feel? And I was like, do you know what? I feel like I'm severely underrated in the world of wrestling on a grand scale. And you know what? I've had enough. So I literally wrote underrated. And then I was like, I'm over it. And I wrote it. And then I like coloured in the eyes a little bit, and I'm like, yeah, I'll just doodle all over it. So I like wrote back on the back of the box, which is hilarious because that was 21, and I didn't come back till like not that long ago. So I was I was back for a long time, I guess. But um, yeah, so that's where it started. I did that, and it seemed to get over. And I was being weird and wacky, and I was ultra skinny at that point because I was just post surgery. I think I'd dropped 20 pounds nearly, and it just grew from there. Every time I was doing AEW, would bring me out to shows, and I would go out before the show and i would set up these random meet and greets and i'd wander around and i slowly went from being outside the venue to inside the venue to inside the arena to sitting in the like the further back rows to like moving my way forwards as time went on and it was one of those wonderfully organic things where i didn't know what was going to happen i feel like tony as well didn't know what was going to happen at all it was just one of these like okay kip can't do anything. But I didn't want to be stagnant. I wanted to develop myself further. And to do that, I had to do something creative. So that's where this came from. Now we're at the point that it's changed so many times that I love it. I feel like I'm some weird, DC, campy <laughs> villain. and I, I dig it. I dig it
1: completely. Yeah, I remember uh, doing commentary and not knowing
2: whether that was you or not. Because <laughs> it was just a guy in a box. And I was like, is that Kip? That was the beauty of it, was that even the commentary team as well on on English and Spanish commentary, no one really knew what to say, because it wasn't that this was an angle. This was like an Easter egg, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's one of those awkward things, especially for you, because I don't envy your job at that point. Because like, there's camera shots where, I'm going to be honest, I deliberately placed myself, perfect camera, like in the background, like this was a setup, like there was one with Adam Cole where it looks like I'm deliberately set up on the guardrail to like set up a feud. There was one with Punk as well where he's cutting a promo and there's me looking over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So for you guys, I don't envy you for having to kind of ignore that to be honest because you can't bring something up that isn't, you know, being done.
1: Uh, but it, it was interesting because it built this kind of mystique and we were trying to figure out, okay, what's going on here? What's <laughs> What's going to happen? And then obviously it evolved from there and then you kind of no pun intended. Embrace this catchphrase, embrace the change. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: As I lightly went over with during the box period, I was and I'm I'm always open about talking about it. I was very I was very depressed at this point. And there wasn't really when I wasn't doing stuff for this character development, like I treated it as if it was a movie role. So I went very method acty for a few hours per day, trying to get in this headspace. I always enjoy that kind of thing. It was almost like there was a point of realization where I was like, okay, I've changed now. I can't go back to what I used to do because it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It was needing a, a catchphrase of some sort. The underrated over it is 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 cool, but it's not... I didn't see long-term in that because uh, you can't say you're underrated for the... Let's say 2025, Kip Sabian, AEW champion, underrated over it. Well, he's not underrated anymore, is he? Like. <laughs> It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I heard it, but it was just in passing. Someone just said, I just got to embrace the change, man. And I was like, Ugh, that's it. <laughs> I, I definitely will. And I'm going to use this as a catchphrase from now on. So I started writing it on my little 8 by 10s And then it went from writing it on 8 by 10s to like signing it on on Twitter and stuff. And then it was, you know, I didn't even ask for it. But then when I made the return and it said embrace the change on the Titan Tron, I was like, well, there we go. We're... Sold, done, happy days. It's there. There we go. It's had this profound meaning as well to a lot of my fans, which I feel like this box gimmick, as we'll call it. That phase got its, cult, its own little cult following, which I love. I thought it was really cool because it was an underground following that wasn't really part of the show. It was like what you're saying. It was one of these, like, you don't know how to react. And I had a bunch of people reach out to me that were going through a lot of personal traumas themselves Without me even realizing it, the lines that I was writing down, because it was very real to me, things like, time doesn't heal, it changes you. I still believe that. I don't feel like time heals at all. I, I feel like that's a that's a farce. Because you, you never truly heal. Mm. You evolve. You change. So it was that like embracing that change that one of my fans got a tattoo of the box that says, time doesn't heal, it changes you. Wow. That's awesome. Because... She was going through a really hard time, and that phrase helped her. It's, it's the change. I'm moving forwards. So for me, it's it's been this really cool vibe of real life combining
0: with this, this character. I absolutely love it. And I'm sure that there's more to talk about here on AEW Restricted coming up with Kip Sabian.
1: It's Alex and Aubrey. We are back here at Unrestricted with our very special guest, the guy that we've been looking forward to talking to for a long time. He's got a lot to say. He's a very busy man. Lots of creativity going
0: on. Kip Sabian. Lots of creativity at this time in the morning. I'm ready.
1: Right. Oh, you're always super
2: creative.
0: This time in the morning, it's like 11 for you, Mr. Pennsylvania. That's 11. That's morning to me.
2: That's still morning. <laughs> it's still morning. <laughs> That's morning
0: for wrestlers. With our travel schedule
2: and what times we get home, it's mm-hmm. it's my morning.
1: <laughs> we should be sleeping right now. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk about your return because I got a bone to pick with you, buddy.
2: I know. I'm sorry. Alex. Attacking pack. <laughs> I know. Come
1: on for the All Atlantic Championship. I was there at ringside. All of a sudden, I see you get involved. Shame, 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 Mister. So tell us how that
2: came to be, please. I told you it was nothing personal at the time. But, you know, <laughs> it was definitely partially, per- partially personal. That's a hard one. To yeah, you liar. Partially personal. Personal. The gimmick. So the gimmick was getting to the point that, as I said, it had this like cult following behind it. That every show there was a bunch of clips and pictures being posted of like, you know, me in the background of all these shots. I think at the time, because we didn't really know what we were going to do with the gimmick. We knew that there was going to be some, like Tony knew that he wanted to do some kind of jump from the audience. We didn't know how we were going to do it. And it got to that point that like, there was no real like, full direction on where it was going to go. And then Tony had this idea of, like, yo, you've been doing this thing in the crowd, PAX Wrestling in England, are you able to go to England for one of his title defenses and sit in the crowd there? Mm. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, I love... Free trip home, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, and I mean, this is something that's going to be a title defense that's from Rev Pro that is going to be thrown on AEW Dark. It had such a cool idea of, you know... How weird is it that he's wrestling in England and here I am, someone that's only been seen in the U.S. So a lot of people didn't think it was me. They thought that it was just someone that I got to put a box on their head and, and go stand in the crowd, which I wanted it to be. I wanted people to question that. So, yeah, so I go to England, I fly there, I go backstage, I see all my old buddies. It's great. Andy from RevPro just sits me out in the crowd and I, I sit down and people are like, this is a bit weird. Like some people had got it. They're like, oh, that's, that's what Kip's been doing on, uh, on AEW. Pat gets out of the ring, walks around to me, and we have a moment. And at that point, everyone goes, Oh, this is actually real. This isn't just a random dude here. So we had that moment there, which then transpired to Dynamite, mm-hmm. where we ended up doing the actual jump finally, which I wanted to bring this up because I think it's gone under the radar for how, how great it was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toot mine in Tony's horn here. Do it. Again, I'm a big fan of Halloween movies horror movies. I'm also a big comic book fan. I'm a big fan of like comic book villains. One of those being the Riddler, one of those being the Joker, those the Green Goblin. Good choices. Like, just just unstable characters, should we say. And I always feel that the scariest type of human is not the one that says I'm going to kill you. It's the one who will sit there and just, you know, everything's calm and fine, but in two seconds time, I'm going to bite your nose off, but you don't know it's coming. <laughs> that to me is way scarier. There's a scene in The Dark Knight with the Joker where he puts the pencil down and is like, I'm going to make this pencil disappear. And you're like, this guy's, this guy's a weirdo. And then he just slams some dude's head and Ta-da! like that to me is way scarier than someone running at me with a machete or something. We managed to get one of the extras to who would fit in my suit. So I went out, did my meet and greet like I normally would, so everyone saw the red suit, and they're like, okay, that's Kip, you can tell. Because if you get close enough, you can see it's me. He puts my suit on. I scribble some eyeliner on, which I love, by the way. Finally, I get to live my my chemical romance emo kid dream of wearing <laughs> eyeliner as a profession. Oh, dude. I put tape over his mouth like he'd been kidnapped.
0: Oh! I
2: gave him a black eye. He was totally fine to take the black eye. He, You know, he just wanted his, his time on TV, so I punched him in the face, gave him a good one. <laughs> Oh, the things we do for work. You know, for the for the job, the things we do for this job. So he, so he took a punch <laughs> to the face and on the on the tape, and this is where it, it said, behind you. Mm. So finally, Pat goes over to, to me in the crowd and he takes the box off. And it's not me. It's some dude with a black eye with behind you written on tape. And then here I come and I jump him and we do the Eric Cannon, as I like to call it, the Eric the Cannon move. Got to give props to Eric Cannon for that one. The Eric on the outside, and we have that that boom. Finally, we've done something because for so long people were just waiting for it to happen, and it had taken so long. I think the steam was starting to like die off from it because it's like this is never going to happen. And then we got them at that point. I love Wrestling Pack. I've always loved Wrestling Pack. I wrestled him in the UK a bunch of times. He's he is so good. So mm-hmm. for me, I was like, okay, the perfect. Person to come back in that I know that we can have a good match is gonna be Pack. Like if you are gonna wrestle anyone, it's gonna be it's gonna be a Kenny. It's gonna be a Pack. It's gonna be these phenomenon wrestlers. It was great. We we had a fun match. So I got to. I was still testing the character out at this point. And that's the that's the crazy thing is that I didn't. I wasn't really set on it on anything at this point. Like there was one thing in that match with Pack where I hit him with something and I just went to the crowd and I was like you know like ah and I saw people go yeah and I was like. Huh. Ah, uh, ah, and I was like, oh, and now I do that as like a regular thing that just came organically from that match with Pac. So, yeah, I'm very, I'm very grateful we had that. It was, uh, it was good fun. I would have liked to have, have beat him. That would have been nice, you know, to, to, to get that All-Atlantic title. Uh, but I got a second chance at the All-Atlantic title. I did, which I, lo- I lost as well. Time to move on to other titles, Kip. I think or that's the sign. All third time's the charm. <laughs> third time's the charm. That's how I'm looking at life right now. You know? Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Lucky number three. <laughs> Things come in threes. It's wrestling. Things come in threes.
0: There you go. It's like we're predicting the future here on AEW Unrespected. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we're we're predicting a hopeful future. <laughs> yes. I love you. And I'm like, you better win a title point Stop or another it. because I feel like you deserve it. And like the amount of thought put into this character... Is just yeah, it's just really insane. Cool. And I love it. And it's, it's so very wrestling that like, we're not sure where it's going to go. And I thought about these old things and then you see what hits and you're like, okay, we're going in this direction. And you just have yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you have to embrace the change. It's almost like it's... <laughs> <Look at that. laughs>
2: it's like, I've always, I've always said that. And I think it took me a long time to really realize this. And it made me love wrestling even more, which I didn't think was possible. But wrestling it is an art form. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, wrestling's art. Yeah, that's great. But, like, it really, truly is. Absolutely. The, the undertones, the, what you can achieve through wrestling is different. There's nothing else on planet Earth that you can achieve so many different variables that you can with wrestling. Because we, we, we've got so many ways to tell stories. and it's the, And you can add tiny little nuances that you don't really get the time to do in a TV show or a movie. Yeah. It's an ongoing show. It never it never ends. I mean, fingers crossed, it never ends. So you can continuously add these little things in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. The art is definitely a big thing for me right now.
0: The art's a big thing. And I know that you're you're making the Shia LaBeouf thing was like a huge like method acting. Yes. All of these things that kind of like build to a character. And one of the things we talk about in wrestling a lot is real life events happening in your life and how that ends up building your character and i know you were talking a little bit about like the depression you were feeling with Mm -hmm. the the injury and everything but i think there was there was other stuff going on in your life as well
2: so that's something that i wanted to bring up as well by the time that this we're literally waiting for it to be uploaded right now but by the time that we drop this episode it will already be out i don't want to go too much into detail because i don't feel like it's something for me to really go into the full details of i feel like that's something for Penelope to do, or Olivia, obviously. It's so weird to call her Penelope. It's very strange. Anytime like you don't call her <laughs> Liv, I'm like, who
0: the hell are yeah. you? <laughs> that was weird for me here too. It's
2: weird, man, it's weird. I do it on stream as well. It's like, it's very strange when I say, I call her Penelope instead, so I can at least add Penelope. some flair to it. We, I was going through a pretty rough patch with not being able to wrestle. At the time, now I understand differently. We have such a large roster, okay? There's a lot of wrestlers. There's only a certain amount of TV time. There's only a certain amount of things we can do. And Tony has all of these guys that are all of these pieces of this puzzle. You can't always have these people in the picture. That's why everything has... To, because we've got so many and that's it's, it's the way that wrestling is. It's the way the stories go. But as an individual wrestler, that's very hard. Because all I think about is my character and Liv's character and progression through wrestling, because I didn't get into wrestling to get a job, sit back, get a nice cushy paycheck, and then just retire one day and be like, well, I managed to make some money doing this. No, I got into wrestling to continuously develop to get to the top. That's the whole point of wrestling. So I was in a pretty bad place at that point where I didn't see the pack return. I didn't see the return. I was just, you know, in limbo at this point. And then me and Olivia got pregnant. It was like a light in this situation, but we were very, we were very nervous about it. I will go into details about this situation, but so we finally go in to talk to Tony. No one knows. The only person that knows is Doc, because, you know, as soon as we found out she
0: can't wrestle, gotta have to tell Doc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to tell Doc. Important. It has to be a
2: reason that she can't wrestle right now. You know, you can't just not wrestle. So, we tell Doc, okay, cool. We go and tell Tony, and we are so nervous. Because, you know, you're going into your boss to say, hi, she's not going to be able to wrestle for a year or so, maybe longer now. How do you feel about that? So we went in and we, hi, Tony, we've got some news to tell you. And the second we told him, if you've seen Tony Khan on an AW stage when a talent has debuted and they come up the ramp and he is so excited and so happy and he just jumps and hugs them. That is the moment that we had in Tony's office with Tony. Aww. That's great. He, he had papers in his hand for the show. He threw the papers and just came over and was so excited. And he was like, Aww. whatever you need, however long you need, support you. And we were like, oh, weight lifted. Now we can get excited. And then unfortunately for us, about 10 weeks or so, we lost the baby. Mm-hmm. Which for me was very hard for two reasons one we would got really excited about the fact that we can have a baby because we we've always wanted children we just didn't know with wrestling how we'd make that fit but we'd worked out the time frame and the fact that we have such a supportive family that we would still be able to work our schedule two days a week we're gone we come back you know family life so we, we were really getting into it and then it was actually when we were traveling to tv one day when we got in the car and then it happened and I had to call Bryce straight away for travel and be like, dude, we can't make it in this week. I'll, I'll tell you later. It's a personal emergency. He's like, okay, cool. I'll let everyone know the hardest part of it was not the fact that I'm sitting here going, man, I was ready to be a dad. We're about nearly three months in of being prepared to be a dad. And now I'm not going to be a dad. It was, I am so worried for Olivia right now Mm -hmm. because it wasn't just the fact that we'd lost the baby. I, I said this to you before, like off this uh, podcast. I had no idea how common it was. You hear about it, but I had no idea that one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage. And I get yep, the few friends that I've told about this. I've been flabbergasted the amount of people that have said back to me, oh, yeah, we we had three before we had our first. And I had no idea. The reason that I wanted to bring it up is I feel like it's something that shouldn't be a taboo topic to talk about right i feel like people should know that it's common you're not alone because that was the hardest thing for olivia as well was that she felt alone in it that like why has this happened to me and it's not happened to other people but then she managed to find other people that had been through the same situations and that kind of helped us a bit but gimmically, for me that went even further because the gimmick at that point was i was I know there's certain the only way that I can explain it is that my character was was crazy would be the term that I would use and I mean that from a not from a disrespectful manner but from a my character was artistic and art artist. yeah it was it was it was comic book so having real trauma like that also come in with how I was feeling with not being back on TV yet it just all came into one thing and I needed something as an outlet and that's where I really put everything into the character wow for us now, we've kept it to ourselves, not for like trying to hide it, but I know from Olivia's perspective as well, we'd asked Tony to, you know, not release what had happened because we were processing that and we just came up with the, the fact or they came up with the fact that, that she's, she's injured, which is, is fine. It's, it's normal. Her heart's injured. <laughs> but all of the questions that we had and we couldn't answer them Because it wasn't just the fact that we lost the baby. Olivia also had a, um, it's called a fibroid. They're really common in most females. They're just there in the uterus. They just sit there dormant. No issues. When she got pregnant, the hormones that then, you know, change made the fibroid grow. By the time that we had our miscarriage, it was the size of a cantaloupe. Oh my gosh. So she had this huge growth. It was like sticking out. Like it looked like a bump. We thought we were having twins for a long time because of that, you know, like, because it was that big. So she then had to go through the surgery of having that removed. That's terrible. You know, not only have you lost this life, but now you have to go through surgery and rehab and recovery as if you'd had a, basically a (laughs) C-section. So, so for her, that was really hard. It's got to the point now that we, we look at the silver lining, which is... In my mind, this fibroid had always been there and they can cause complications when they get to that size. Mm -hmm. So I look at it as this baby sacrificed itself to make us aware of this fibroid. So the fibroid could be removed. So when we get pregnant again in the future, complications are gone. Wow! So like, that's how we've tried to look at it. And for me that I can't speak on her behalf. But from my perspective of everything, that definitely gives me this, like you know, hope from that.
0: I mean, it's it's a traumatic thing to go through. Yeah, but I do appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah, thank you. I mean, like as you said, it's so common, but there's a stigma. Much like there's been a stigma with talking about depression, there's a stigma talking about miscarriage when it is so incredibly common. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing your story. I appreciate you being open about it. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who are very appreciative of it, especially talking about it as your perspective from a husband who is supportive. And I know that there's like that helplessness that you feel of like, what can I do? Oh my God, my wife might be dying. Oh like this is crazy, right?
2: Yeah. And it was like, there was nothing. It's that point where what can I really say? Mm-hmm. And I said to her the other day, cause we were talking about it when we were filming this video, like before we started filming it, we were talking about it. And I said, do you know what?" I felt so guilty to feel like cause it, it took me a long time to process because I felt guilty about grieving because I didn't feel like I had the right to grieve at that point because of what she was going through. So I felt like my job was to keep her supportive and try and look at positives continually as opposed to just sitting there myself and grieving. So it took a long time for us to get to that point. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people should know like you're not alone in those scenarios. And it's not something that you need to keep as a taboo
0: topic. Yeah. I also like that you have taken all these negatives and you've turned them into positives, both like in your personal life, in in wrestling, building your character on it. And it's just really, really good. And I, great, I love that you have such a great outlook on it. And this has been a fantastic conversation so far. I know we've got yes. more coming up after the break here on AEW Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted, Aubrey and Alex talking to Kip Sabian. We've touched on a lot of topics about wrestling and character growth and growth as human beings and growth in marriage and all of these wonderful things that we've been open about, that Kip's been open about, and it's it's wonderful. But let's kind of pick it up a little bit and bring some fan questions into this mix, which is absolutely great.
1: Yeah, we got a lot of them.
0: My favorite part. First question from John K., if you could lead a stable of wrestlers, past or present, who would you choose? Ooh, good question. Past or
2: present? Oh, that's damn. That's unfair. There's there's too many <laughs> there's too many options, and I get to lead them.
0: You do. Oh boy! Like your army of boxhead guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a tricky one. Do you know what I'd love to do though? I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I am a huge Motor City Machine Gun fan. I always have been. Oh. Mm. I've said this a bunch of times. Here's a little little tidbit for everyone. When I had my first match, they asked what I wanted to be called. I said, Jet. They said, sorry, we already have a Jet. What do you want to be called? And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> so I was like, okay. Uh, oh, I don't know. Just give me any name. Give me any name. Because it was like, it's my first match. You know, I don't care. Didn't think about it. So I was, it was Soraya. Because it was her family that I trained with. And it was their, their show. Mm-hmm. And obviously my nickname as a kid has always been Kip. It's just always been Kip. So she knew me as Kip. So it was like... She just said, oh, just call him, just call him Kip. So I was, I was Kip Jones for my first match.
1: Kip Jones. <laughs> Kip Jones. Oh my God. Taz would love that.
2: Mr. Jones. And then straight away, I was like, that is terrible. It, it, it's basically a Kip <laughs> James ripoff here. So I had that for a little bit. And then I was a big Chris Sabin fan. And my Facebook name as a 16 year old, 17 year old was, was my real name with, sabin in the middle in parentheses because you know i was cool back then (laughs) i remember zach and uh, ricky knight coming up to me going yo we're going to change your name and i'm like okay cool let's do it and they're like yeah we're going to call you kip sabin and i was like that's so cool i love mostly machine guns this is awesome bearing in mind i don't really know much about the wrestling world in terms of the longevity of this name right now so i wrestled as kip sabin for a while And then when I started to break out more, I'm like, oh no, I've literally just stolen Chris Sabin's name. I can't have this. So I needed to come up with a change. I went to France and I wrestled there and I won a title in France and I came back and I said, you know, this is a new era for me. I went to France, I won this title, they couldn't pronounce my surname, so they called me Kip Sabian, and you know what? I'm gonna stick with that, so from now on, I'm Kip Sabian, and I managed to change it like that, which is a complete lie. They did not get the name wrong or anything like this. I needed a way out of it, so that's where Kip Sabian came from. Wow! So, Mosey Machine Guns, huge fan. Put me with the motor seat machine guns. That's what I want. I can see that. What
0: a great answer. Failing
2: that, (laughs) put me with Butcher, Blade, and Bunny. There you go. There you go. There
1: you go. That's a good idea. That's
2: a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, you got the Butcher, Blade, Bunny. They are amazing. Can I say, I want to make sure I say this. The Butcher Butcher and the Blade are, in my eyes, one of the most underrated tag teams in television wrestling, period. 100% agree. They can do anything you need them to do. Mm -hmm. They are one of the most versatile teams they deserve and, and I hope they get their big, their big run. Because those guys are amazing. and they're such nice guys. Oh, the best. They're so selfless. During my injury, a lot of the guys backstage really kept me alive in terms of positivity. And Butcher and Blade were pivotal in that as well. For just keeping me like every show, Blade would come up, and he, he even I was on the phone with him yesterday and he's he said to me. Remember what you did in the crowd for all, all those months and you were traveling to TV, there was nothing really there for you and you made this yourself. You should be proud of it. Like he always reminded me, be proud of this. This is great. Like I'm, those guys are amazing and I really hope they get their, their big moment. Yeah. Sooner rather than later.
1: And you guys seem to compliment each other so well. I love you it. You know, at first it was like, well, wait a second. Because we know that Penelope and The Bunny had been together on TV for quite a while and they yep. had really great chemistry. And then adding you to the mix, it made perfect sense.
2: Yeah, it was. It, it was very much uh, by association. We had to have something there. Now, does that mean that we are a a unit? Uh, I don't know. Well, trios titles. Just saying. I mean, that's very true. That's very true. Tony, book this now, sir. There you book go. It. The... Yeah, book, book it. it, Tony. Book it, sir.
1: Fuck it. Death triangle doesn't hold the trios titles anymore. You can. Oh, I know. Yeah, I hope yeah. you oh, get them. Kip. them now, Alex. <laughs> you and Butcher him. Now he's supported. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks, Stamp I of approval.
2: <laughs> I'm going to tell Tony. Tony, we're going to have to win the titles. Alex said.
1: Alex says. Not Penta says. Alex says. We're going for the trios titles. <laughs> there we go. All right. So we got another question for you here, Kip, from Dr. Scott Kelly. Shout out to Dr. Scott. What is your Hogwarts house of choice?
2: Slytherin. And there's, it's not by choice. It's not by choice. Every time I've done Pottermore, I've got
0: Slytherin. You just get sorted that way.
2: I'm, I'm a Slytherin through and through. Always have been. Voldemort's my boy. For life. <laughs> Hassle tongue that. Hassle tongue that.
0: I know, I know you're a big Twitch streamer, so I, I feel like I have to ask this question <laughs> from from Ash. Top five video games of all time.
2: Uh, number one, Bugs Bunny and Taz, Lost in Time.
0: Ooh, Good one.
2: One of the best, two player games me and my brother used to play it continuously uh, these are not in order just five that I can think of the original Gears of War again I'm a big couch co-op guy that for me was was a change in the landscape uh, Resident Evil 2 good 1 Call of Duty 4 and probably Wind Waker Oh, I loved Ocarina of Time, but Wind Waker was my, that was my jam. I loved the artwork in Wind Waker. It really got me.
0: Wind Waker doesn't get the love it does. And on top of that, like streaming, uh, boat sailing without loading was so unheard of at the time. Like true open world was true open world true true open world where like you literally don't look at a loading screen you're just looking at this massive amazing ocean as as a zelda mark i'm just like Wind Waker is so good and people did not give it the love it needed it
2: really is like i'm still waiting they did a Wii port for it but i'm still
0: waiting for the switch port because i really want to play it again
2: we all are i recently picked up playing ocarina of time again
0: and it's uh i'm I'm having a lot of fun yeah my husband's playing it and i played it like 18 times so so that's That's mine. So good.
1: Along the thread of the uh, video game conversation, Sammy Giddens wants to know, favorite video game protagonist and antagonist?
2: Oh, damn it. That's hard. <laughs> I know, it's a tough
0: one. <laughs> Alex coming over with the hard ones.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're on the topic of it, and I feel like for me, that's kind of a big one. I mean, my favorite character in any video game ever probably has to be, I don't know, Leon Kennedy, Resi 4. It's a good one. I like the character protagonist is a hard one Ganon, I guess maybe yeah that's a that's a hard one it's to, a tough one because this this answer would change tomorrow
0: mm-hmm.
2: like if you're asking my my favorite you know comic book superhero and villain I'm gonna
0: straight away you know jump in with spider-man and green goblin there's someone actually asking uh yeah we'll lead <laughs> into that agent agent 29 best spider-man comic series
2: uh so I I am not a huge comic book guy but Christopher Daniels, uh, shout out to Uncle Daniels. The doctor. He put me on with a Marvel Unlimited subscription so I could go back and find all these comics rather than have to you know, buy them individually. I've gone back to the original uh, Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man from the, I think it was the 60s that started. And the 70s is where I'm at. I'm in the 70s. Because my, my favorite comic book uh, storyline would probably be the Death of Gwen Stacy, ultimately Death of Green Goblin via that, which is a comic book that, I've been constantly on the lookout for every Comic-Con we do, which is Spider-Man 122, I believe, which is the death of Green Goblin. It's a really iconic comic book front cover. Spider-Man's holding Gwen Stacy in his arms and Goblin's like flying like in the background. It's just a very expensive comic. But I think, I think this might be the year where I take the plunge. I was saying to, to Liv the other day, I was like, I think I'm going to buy this one. I found it on eBay. It's a 9.5 grading. I'm going to buy it. Oh, my God. Oh, good luck with that. So, so we'll see about that one. But yeah, that's that's probably my favorite, I guess, series of comics.
1: So let's, let's shift gears really quick and talk about something that everybody kind of has a question about. Your villainous look, including the newer hair. So I'm going to combine two questions. Yes. One from uh, Melody and the other one, Ross. So Melody wants to know how long did it take you to dye your hair? To go from your former brown to platinum, and then Ross wants to know what's the secret to having the best hair in pro wrestling.
2: The secret is is genetics. Unfortunately, I uh, I was blessed with with wonderful hair genetics. <laughs> Thank you, granddad. There you go. My granddad passed away uh, ten years ago now, maybe maybe five years. Time time changes. Time changes is all. But he he died with a full head of hair. Wow. My dad has a full head of hair. I'm hoping that I, I get those genetics because my granddad on my, on my mother's side, bald. So I'm really hoping I don't get to that uh. point. But yeah. Hair genetics, the time it took was about three months. And by that, I mean the person who, who dyes my hair, we went back every like three, four weeks, whatever it was. And each time we had to try something different to find out what works for my hair. Mm -hmm. We now have it down. that I can go in like I went in last week. She knows exactly the time we're doing, what products we're doing to get it there. It's a long run, but it just takes trial and error, basically.
0: Finding a good hairstylist and time and and error. Time and error. I love it i mean i've loved this whole conversation thank you kip for joining us today just such a good talk and we finally finally got you on this podcast so thank you very much i do enjoy talking you, yes. you do but hey it makes it easy for us it's great because it's just like we just want to learn about you and make sure that you you have the platform you need for everyone else to know how amazingly awesome you are Indeed. you can follow kip on instagram and twitter at the kip sabian you can also follow him on twitch the kip sabian yes. yes you can follow and listen to this podcast AEW unrestricted for free apple podcast spotify wherever you get your podcast new episodes every thursday we have the youtube videos where you can see all of our lovely homey spaces uh new episodes every monday just search AEW unrestricted dynamite on wednesday rampage on friday elevation on monday dark on tuesday we're all over the place you can watch all these wonderful people including alex and kip sabian on all these awesome shows I am Aubrey Edwards. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted.
1: Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see. you. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gonna turn it up, up. Bring the house down. Got that big space pumping. Make them bounce now. Blossom like they bossing and the freaks are coming out.